Well, good morning, everybody. Here we are once again, gathering as a church in different locations at different times, but we are gathered in the same name of the God who is living, who is present with each one of us. He is present with me right now. He is present with you right where you are. And he is our great God. He is there. Uh, I just read this week in one of the Psalms that he is our ever-present, abundant help in the midst of every need that we have, every trouble that occurs in our life. So in Psalm 46, it's, be still and know that I am God is the exhortation. And that word, be still, is to let go. We know that cliche, let go and let God. But it's this, Lord, you know the circumstances, you see the trouble. I'm letting go. I'm ceasing to attempt to have control over my own destiny and over my own life. I'm going to be still. I am going to let go. And I'm going to notice. I am going to learn that you and you alone or God. I was going to step into more of announcements, which we don't have too much because this upcoming week is pretty much wash and repeat of what we've been doing as we're meeting on most nights on uh, different Zoom meetings. Um, but I've just spent the last half hour or so praying um, through what God has been laying on my heart. I've been writing these things down in a journal and I just prayed through all of those things. So my heart is excited. My heart is filled with the Lord. My heart is filled with the, his word. Um, this morning's text is very personal for me, just in, in my own walk and following Jesus. So it's very... Uh, um, it's going to be very different than last week. Last week, as we pressed into Easter, we wanted to, I wanted to really dig into the Word of God because it's the Word of God that defines who God is as He has revealed Himself. It's His Word where we understand the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we understand the prophecies of history. We understand what he did as he was a man, what he did on the cross, what he was doing through his resurrection, his ascension, where Jesus is right now, his return. As we talk about all of these things, Scripture, the Holy Bible from Genesis to Revelation is what gives us definition for all of that truth and for our confidence and for our hope. So there's a right time and there is a time to really dig in and to open the word and to study the word and just to speak the word and let that be out there. But this morning, we are just going to cover a few verses. There's a lot of application in this. But after we go through these few verses, I'm going to step into just personal testimony. And the testimony is not to say, look at me and look at Julie and look at what we've done and look at how we've served the Lord and that kind of stuff. It is to say, look at God. Here's how God has acted in our life in history. And how he has acted in our life in history is what gives us great confidence in him for what's going on today. For where he has us, whether it's the big circumstances of the culture, or it's the intimate circumstances of just our lives and our walk. He's revealed himself to us. And it's, it's one of those things that causes humble gratitude and thanksgiving that as often as God has demonstrated himself to be God, 
to be my savior, to be my deliverer, to be my teacher, to be my God, to be my comfort and my guide. When he displays himself as God now, or he's done it in the past, it causes me to well up with thanksgiving and, and praise. I'm already preaching. Let's pray and let's get into the word. Heavenly Father, we love you tremendously. I give you thanks, Lord, for my brothers and sisters right where they are right now. I am asking, Lord, that you would display yourself to them as God. Whether it's through this message, through your word, through the circumstances of their life, Lord, may you display yourself as the living God. And may you pour yourself out upon them, Lord. Cleanse each one in the name of Jesus. Fill them with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Pour out your grace upon their minds and their hearts. That as they act and as they speak, Lord, that it would be in your truth and humility and your righteousness and your holiness. We exist because of you. We exist for you. And we want nothing more than for you to be glorified, Lord. And that selfish prayer of each one, Lord. I can't wait to see you. But until that day comes, Jesus, until you come and you get us, may, whether it's one at a time or in the rapture at your return, let us be about your Father's business in all things. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. We are picking up our study in Acts. And if you remember where we are at the end of chapter 15, this is the, the beginning of what's known as the, the second missionary journey of Paul. There's been a division, a split between Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas and Mark go to Cyprus. And Paul chooses Silas, and they go back to the communities in, in modern-day Turkey of where uh, they had already shared the gospel, where people had responded to the name of Jesus Christ. They stepped from death into life. Their graves are now empty, and they want to keep going back to these communities to make sure that they're strong, not in, in, um, in any kind of religious tradition, but that they are strong in Jesus. And this is what we watch them do at the beginning of chapter 16, the team is growing, so to say, so now it's Paul and it's Silas and Timothy has been added. And as they're there in these communities strengthening the church, we're going to pick up in verse 6 of chapter 16 of Acts. It says, now, when they had gone through Phrygia in the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So, passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after, he had been, now after he had seen the vision, immediately we, and note that, circle that in your Bible, we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. And that's what I've titled this morning's message, is that we are called 
to help. Now, something that would be really helpful for you, if you have a study Bible, um, you can pause right now and Google this information, but it'd be good to have a map of the area. So in modern-day Turkey, if you Google any one of these names, um, any of the missionary journeys of Paul, it ought to show you a division of the different regions. So down there in southern Turkey, it's the area of Cilicia. So that's where they were before. And now it's talking about this area that they had gone through, Fergia and the region of Galatia. This is pretty much right in the heart of, of modern-day Turkey. And as they're traveling, it says that the Holy Spirit forbid them from speaking the word in the area of Asia. So the area of Asia is on the western side of, of Turkey. And often we think of as we are attempting to serve God. And again, this is Paul and Timothy and Silas. They are serving God. They have offered their lives to God. They are in the midst of that action, uh, teaching and preaching in the name of Jesus, strengthening believers, preaching the gospel to those who don't know who the true and living God is, who are still dead in their sins, conveying the gospel to them. And people are responding. Jesus is adding to his church daily through the work and the efforts of these men. And as they continue the work, they are now pressing into going into new areas. They've strengthened the existing areas. Now they want to go into new areas. And they're told, we're told, and again, they have to sit in this in reality of what they are trying to do for Jesus. In Jesus' name, the Holy Spirit says, no. And that's an uncomfortable excuse me, position to be in. The Holy Spirit preventing, the Holy Spirit hindering. Often when we are attempting to do things in the name of God, um, we're gonna, and there's a, there's a roadblock to that. Uh, sometimes we're gonna press into, well, it must be the devil or it must be somebody else's problem or, you know, we can, we can get weird. But instead of getting weird, we ought to get prayerful because there's, there's something in the midst of Paul's and the, the rest of the team's relationship with God that they understand that this, is some, that this restriction, this hindrance is from the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the one that's not allowing that. And again, they're trying to speak the word. They're trying to speak the gospel. They're trying to preach the gospel to people who live in this area, and the Holy Spirit says no. They come down to Mysia. Um, they tried as they're in Mysia's, again, it's on, it's on the sea there on the western side. And there it says that they tried. They tried to do something else. The Holy Spirit said no here. So now they're attempting. They're trying to go to a different place. And again, it says that they were not allowed, that the Holy Spirit didn't permit them. And this puts us in this position of, God, what are you doing? You know, we have to try and stand in their shoes and in their circumstances and, and try and understand the emotion that they would be processing through. And maybe you've been in this position yourself where you're crying out to God, of, God, I am attempting to do what I believe that you want me to do. I'm attempting to do good things in the name of your son. I'm attempting to, to, to share and all that is occurring is roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. What are you doing? 
Why are you doing it? What do you want me to do? And this is, again, this gets back to that being still and noticing that God is God. Be still and know that I am God. Let go and notice that I am God. Let go and learn that I am God. Learn that he is in control of everything at all times. And before we go on, and before you think, because it would be, well, doesn't God care about these people in Asia? I mean, they're trying to do good things. Doesn't God care about the people in this area of Bithynia? Doesn't he want them to respond to, uh, to the message of who Jesus is and what he did? Does God not want these people to step in uh, to life from the death in which they abide in? Does he not want to give them eternal life in the name of his son? And the answer is yes. But Paul is not God's solution to every single thing that God is doing in the life of believers. Just like you and just like I, I'm not God's solution to everything. God has a plan and a purpose for my life. He is directing me step by step every single day. But I don't have the responsibility of the world on my shoulders. The responsibility of the world is on God's shoulders. And what's really cool about when you sit in this, uh, that the Holy Spirit didn't allow Paul and Timothy and Silas to preach the gospel in Asia. When you step into the book of Revelation, as Jesus is revealing himself, unveiling himself is what Revelation means. He's writing letters to seven churches that are in this area. These areas, this area was not left without witness. This area more than likely probably already had a Christian, Jesus-loving, Bible-teaching, Bible-believing witness there in that area. So it's not that God didn't care. It's God had others there to do the work in Asia, and that work was done. But now as, as Paul and Silas and Timothy, as these men and whoever else may be with them, are crying out to God, what do you want us to do? As in the night, God gives this vision, and this is, this is not just a, a dream that he is having. Um, um, Paul has had earlier visions that we see in Acts. Same thing with Peter. He had a vision. Um, so we see this scenario multiple times already in Acts. We're going to see it multiple times. This is something that God is revealing supernaturally, but it's in the nighttime, and he has this supernatural vision where he sees this man from Macedonia. Now, Macedonia is across the sea, and again, if you have a map, it's really easy to see this, um, but God is calling him to a specific area. So it's northern, modern-day Greece. At this time, it would be a separate area. Uh, Alexander the Great was from this area. So this man in his appearance, in his dress, in his ethnicity, Paul knows that this is a man from Macedonia. And in this vision, the speech that is coming out of this man's mouth is come over here and help us. And it's, uh, it's the word for help, it's the definition is rendering assistance to somebody who's in need. And here, this, this divine vision that Paul has at night is, here is a man calling 
you to come over here to help over here. I've been seeking to go in this direction. The Holy Spirit has said no. And as we're seeking God for understanding, for clarity, and for direction, God gives the direction. And now it says that they immediately seek to go to this area because here's the open door that God is providing for this team. So they immediately seek to go. They're concluding. It's uh, this, the idea of concluding. It's, it's bringing together. It's uniting. So it's um, my assumption is that Paul and the team didn't just have a singular vision, that in everything that we believe that the Lord is communicating to us, we want to test those things in the sense of uh, we don't want to test God, but we want to test ourselves to make sure, is that really God or is that what we always say, is that the pizza that I ate last night? Um, My assumption, and my assumption is based upon life experience is that God repeats himself uh, to give clarity. So the, the conclusion is I'm taking this piece and I'm taking that piece and he's given us this vision. This is our prayer. This is where he's hindered us from going. And I'm putting all of this information together and I'm coming to a conclusion and a united conclusion. And the conclusion for these is the Lord is calling us to go to this area to preach the gospel. And that's the help. That's the assistance that the Macedonians need. So God has another plan for the population of Asia. But for Paul and team, this is the specific plan to go to this area and to preach the gospel to them. And I, took, I told you to circle the word we there. Because this is the first place where we see in the book of Acts where Luke, the writer of this letter, remember Luke is writing a letter. He's put all this information together and he's writing it to Theophilus. And he's, he has this perfect understanding of what's, of what's gone on. He's been an investigator to, in regards to all the information earlier, but now he's an eyewitness. He's joined the team there in Troas for whatever reason. Luke is already a believer, and now he's not talking about they. He's not talking about them and what they did. Now he's talking about what we did. So here Luke joins the team. He is now not just a narrator of the story. He is part of the story. He is not just narrating how these people were helped. He's actually part of the help. And we'll get into that as we, uh, I guess, walk into testimony. So those are the, the, the major nuggets to pull out of this. And we'll continue to pull more nuggets out of this because now I want to step into more of just a personal story of how I've become part of this story and why this passage is personal, is alive, it's vibrant to me. So I'll keep this short. I'm going to leave out lots of nuggets. I'm going to leave out a lot of things that we prayed and that uh, how God responded and how he directed, because I don't want to bore you to death. But the information that I do give, I want to make sure that everything that is being conveyed, I want to convey it to God's glory. And none of it to say, look at what Blake and Julie did, uh, um, and to puff ourselves up in any way. It's, It's to say, look at how consistent God has been 
in the word, when I look at his deeds in history, I can go back and I can now look at the last 20 years of my life and I can say, look at how consistent God has been, how faithful he has been to his nature, to his character, and to his word in my life. And that's what points us to the hope and the confidence that we have that God will continue to act and be faithful in the same way that he has always been. So for me, 1999 was a a huge year. The end of 98, I met Julie. A few months later, I stepped out of my death and out of my wandering and out of my sin. And I stepped into life in Jesus Christ. And I became not a wanderer, but a follower of Jesus. And he gave life to me. He gave purpose to me. He gave direction to me. And in, in, that, in those moments of those early Again, he's he's not only knitting me together with him, he's knitting me together with my bride. So we got, uh, I graduated from college. I think my diploma is eight days earlier than the the day of our marriage certificate. So salvation and graduation from college and marriage and um, step into right there at the early part of 2000. So Y2K, after all of that stuff, I step into this, you know, my first career job after graduating from college. And as we are um, being united together as husband and wife, uh, that year Trinity was born. We're seeking the Lord. We're growing in the Lord. The Lord is doing a ton of house cleaning. He's, He's given to me a new heart, but the old heart that is within needs to be washed and cleansed and purged. Confession of sin and all the ways that I have sinned against God and against other people, and he's cleaning, he's transforming, giving a new mind, washing my mind by the word, doing a new believer's class. All this stuff is going on. But it's during this time where Julie and I are praying together, what, what's our course in life? Where does the Lord want us to go? Where's the open door? Where are the closed doors? It was during this time where for Julie already, had, she had a clear call uh, from the Lord early in her life, even though she had many prodigal years. Um, it was that call that always carried her through that she returned back. But for me personally, it was, um, I'm praying about whether to go on and get an MBA, and it's not that further education is bad or anything like that. But for me, the Lord was speaking to my heart of not to pursue that kind of stuff, but to pursue him. And I didn't have any kind of definition for that other than, continue to to pray and to read his word and to pursue him in all things. This ended up, that process led us to the Calvary Chapel there in Salt Lake. While there, as we, as we become a part of the story there, a part of, we felt called to help, started serving in the children's ministry, you know, I started with the toddlers in fifth and sixth grade, um, in pursuing the Lord, they had an extension campus of the Bible college there, I started taking some classes, started discipling men down at the rescue mission, one-on-one, again, all of this, God is transforming me, he's revealing himself to me, he's using us for his glory, for his name's sake. Awesome. In 2005, it's this, for me, it's the, the Lord, um, just like for Paul and Barnabas, or Paul and uh, uh, Silas and Timothy here, where there's a call to do this for this season, now there's a call to do this new thing for the next season. Um, in 2005, 
I'm already called to follow the Lord, already called to serve in the church, and and all of that kind of stuff. But I get a call from the pastor, and he offers me a job uh, at the church uh, doing administration. So, you know, the business functions, the back office functions for exactly half of what I was making. Now, that didn't end up being uh, what the actual salary was and the pay was because we needed a living wage and those kinds of things. But here was this first time where I really had to sit in, well, I guess the second time. The first time is you sit in that salvation moment with the Lord. Am I going to let go of all to lay hold of Jesus? And again, I know that that's backwards. It's really uh, Jesus laid hold of me. But here was this, this opportunity. It felt like an open door. There felt like that there were a bunch of hindrances to being able to say yes to that. But we watched the Lord remove every single one of the hindrances to where it was evident by pulling all the pieces together that we concluded that this is what the Lord was calling Julie and I to do. So we stepped into that. And again, as we, as we sit in about six years of, of serving there, of growing, of maturing, of changing, doing ministry, um, just incredible season of life. And again, in, in all of this, Julie and I are there, our three children, saved, everybody loving the Lord, serving the Lord. My parents are there. Julie's parents are there. My sister is there. My brother-in-law and wife and children are there. So this is, this is rare. This is in Salt Lake City, Utah. There are very few born-again Christians in this community. And for us to be fellowshipping in our entirety, not just in Jesus' name only, but where our whole family is loving the Lord, I have so much gratitude and so much praise for that season and the continued season, even as the Lord has spread us out to different places, that everybody is still madly in love with the Lord and pursuing Jesus. Well, it's during this season where everything is sailing and great, the Lord sends a man, kind of like this vision, but this was real, Julie was at a, a baby dedication of, uh, of a friend, um, and her dad said, I think that you and Blake should go to Oslo, Norway, and plant a Calvary Chapel. And it was one of those whatever, I mean, this, this guy is normal, right? He's not some wingnut and not some crazy guy. And it, but he said it a few times to Julie, and it's one of those things. She came home, she told me, we had to look up where Norway was. Again, we sit in it for, and it's, it was kind of laughable. But in that, God placed a seed into us that he was calling us out of where we were to something else. We thought it was this one thing. And this is where I'm going to skip over so many of the details. And I have no idea why God used Norway and that seed other than this. Because as we started to research that area, and Calvary's already in that area, and what's going on in Scandinavia, what's going on in Europe, through Calvary chapels and the different ministries, there were two men that I felt that the Lord had laid on my heart that is, okay, as we start to go public with this, as I start to have a conversation with my pastor, and this is what we believe that the Lord is leading, this is what we've concluded, pulling all these pieces together, there were two men um, that I believed that I needed to reach out to. 
And one of those amazing God revealing himself is I ended up getting an email from one of those men a few days after we went public, at least public enough to our pastor uh, of about what we thought that what God was doing. And as I'm going public with this, that's essentially resigning my position. That means that our security in the worldly things, whether it's in salary or home and just everything that we had going on was now unstable. And here God in his mercy has this man that I think that I should reach out to. He, I end up getting an email from him and that began this relationship with this man. So God sold our home quickly. We spend some time in California at the Bible college down there for a church planning course for a month. All of our possessions are in storage. What we're living on, everything fits in the back of our car as we drive to California, as we come back. We've been invited by a family to stay in their home. We have this, uh, we know um, that we're going to a Calvary Chapel conference that's in Sweden, so in Scandinavia, in this area of the world. Uh, to go to Norway, the religious visas are crazy, so I was attempting to go in on a work permit. I'm trying to get a job in Norway. While we were there, so all five of us went there as a family, we were there for just under three weeks, I had an interview with a, uh, in, uh, an international shipping company whose business language was in English. So I'm skipping over the hundred things that God had already done in our lives to keep us heading in that direction. Open door after open door after open door. And I have this job interview. We have to come back and we're staying with another family in their basement, trying to stay out of their business, right? Because we have sold our home. All of our possessions are in storage. And how the Holy Spirit speaks in so many different ways. He'll speak in our minds and our hearts. He'll use his word. He'll use devotionals. He'll use other people. Julie reads in a devotional this sentence and this question, and it still just stands out as a, as a powerful question today. Will you trust God even if the results are not favorable? When Julie read that, her heart just sank because she knew immediately that the answer to the job that I had interviewed for in Norway, the answer was going to be no. So here, as I relate this story in Acts, we are doing exactly what we believe that God has called us to do. He is opening so many different doors in different ways. He's closing others to keep us heading in the singular direction that he wants us to go. We think that the end is one thing, but God knows what the real end is, which is someplace totally different. And Here he is testing us. He is growing us. He is maturing us. Will you trust me even though your expectations are not being met? Will you trust me even though I am hindering you? I am preventing you. I am not allowing you. And for us, this is the the wrestle is um, I no longer have a salary. We're living off of uh, the the proceeds from the sale of our home. We're living in somebody else's home, a family of five. We don't want to be obnoxious. We don't want to uh, be ungrateful. 
Uh, we're doing what we believe the Lord has called us to do and, and others are walking alongside of us. Uh, but now we're homeless and jobless. Lord, what are you doing? Again, it's as we travel down a season, that's, that conversation that I just talked about, that happened in August of 2011. And it wasn't until April of 2012 where God spoke to me directly out of this passage. And it's out of this passage that we are here in Acts 16 where I was crying out to God, God, you are hindering me. You are preventing me from going where I believe that you have called me to go. And I have this written down in a journal. Specifically, I'm in this passage that morning. I'm reading this, and my heart is stirring, and I write down, Jesus, send somebody to come and get me and give me a vision of what I am supposed to do. Send somebody to come get me and give me a vision of what I'm supposed to do. Because you have to, we are, we are in all of these months pursuing something that is a total roadblock, but feel directed by the Lord, not to the turn to the right hand or to the left, but to keep following him. And again, that, that daily churning that's going on, God, when, how? Send somebody to come get me because I am at a loss of what I am supposed to do. Give me a vision. Let me see, Lord, what I am supposed to do. The next day, I got an email from the same man that I told you of the two men that the Lord had placed on my heart in that area of the world to reach out to. The man that sent an email to me earlier that initiated this relationship. I got an email from him using these same words. Blake, I want you and Julie to come to Atlanta and help us. And we were, there's part of it, you're at a loss. Lord, you've been saying Norway for a year and a half and now it's Atlanta, what is this? Um, you know, so we had to process through that. But again, these direct prayers, Lord, send somebody to come get me and give me a vision of what I'm supposed to do. He sends this man, Kevin, through an email and he uh, gives me the vision of what the next step is. For Julie and I, we're piecing all of this stuff together, concluding that the Lord is calling us to come down here. As we fast forward, there's the, we come down here, we're praying through all this. The Lord is granting open doors. I had a couple of job interviews down here. The Lord made it very evident. I had one interview for a job and an offer from um, a company within a few miles of where Kevin wanted to plant this church in Atlanta. And I had a job offer all the way up here in Alpharetta. And the Lord made it clear that the open door was in Alpharetta and that the closed door was in Atlanta. And for us, as we, as we stepped into this congregation for the very first Sunday just attending, what was on my heart was be a help. Don't be a judge, but be a physician. This is what I have called you to do. And this is what the Lord has called you to do. He has called each one of us to be a part of his story. As he has taken us from being wanderers and he has taken us out of our sins and he has taken us out of our mire and out of our yuck and out of our desires and we turn our back to all of that and we turn to him and to him alone and follow him 
as he leads, even when he says no and when he says yes, we're looking to him every single day, Lord, provide that door of opportunity today that I can be a part of your story and not of my own story or somebody else's. And he is so consistently faithful to respond. I told, I mentioned it a couple of times in this season that we're in right now, I really feel that the Lord, it's a season of stillness and quietness for me. Um, it's very busy with my workload that I have at NCF, um, but there's, there's a lot more free time. So in that free time, I feel really called by the Lord uh, to be praying. But to pray about what, Lord? But as I have, I've got my journal sitting right here, and I mentioned um, uh, as I started that I was, I was praying for a bit, but the Lord is consistently, every single day, he is directing me and my heart through his word in what he wants me to be praying for, for myself, for my household, for you, for the culture, for our circumstances. God has been faithfully consistent to, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? He speaks. And not only does he speak, but when he calls, he's calling us to notice him. He's calling us to attend to him, to learn from him, to take all the pieces that are going on in life today and to put them all together to come up with the conclusion of, that's what the Lord is directing me to do. And what the Lord is directing you to do, it could be the big purpose of life, like you were heading in this direction. It could be the big season of life in the, that you were in, where this is what the Lord is having you to do for this season, for this period of time. You know that it's going to end at some time, but right now that this is what the Lord is directing you to do, that he's called you to do. It may just be for that simple thing of today. The Lord is speaking to you, and this is where he is calling you to help. And the emphasis on help, the, the assistance that we bring into other people's lives is Jesus Christ. The help that I can offer to you ultimately is to point you to Jesus. If you believe in Jesus and you trust in Jesus and you are following Jesus and you are listening to him and you are allowing him to restrict you in this area and to lead you in freedom in that area, I have complete confidence for your success and victory in your life as you follow Jesus. It's awesome. But if I just provide for you a, a moment of help, a, 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 just a moment or something simple, whether it's something material or it's just you know, a moment of encouragement or whatever, if it's just something that I give to you of myself, it's going to come, it's, it's nothing, it's meaningless in the big picture of your life. But if I bring Jesus into your life, if I help you, whether it's rejoicing when you need to rejoice, whether it's mourning if I need to mourn with you, whether it's helping you understand a portion of the word, whether it's helping you just praise through something and wisdom. Um, and again, I'm not the answer to all these kinds of things, but as we interact with one another, it's we get to help one another. As we come together, we encourage each other in the Lord, we strengthen each other in the Lord, and then we commend each other to his grace as we part. Jesus is calling you to help. And may his spirit give you 
perfect clarity. Even when, when you feel like you are in the midst of a dense fog, in the middle of the ocean, in a dinghy, with no oar, no sail, no boat, no motor, when the boat would be helpful. Maybe you're floating. Maybe you feel like the water's up to here and the waves keep coming over your head. God is faithful and he will lead you to the point where you need to land in his time, in his way, calling you to be a part of his story as he is the one who pours out his spirit and proclaims his gospel in this world that needs nothing more than Jesus Christ to be its savior and its Lord. I love you tremendously. I really do miss you. It's weird communicating to an empty room, but I can, I can stare into that lens and I know that I'm speaking to my brothers and my sisters and my family. So Father, I'm again asking that through your spirit with that those who are in the midst of crying out to you, Lord, looking for direction. Many of us, Lord, we, we already know and we're in the midst of that season of life that we are engaged in the task that you have called us to do. So I'm praying for those individuals to be strengthened and I'm praying specifically for those individuals, Lord, that they don't know that they're in the fog, that they lack clarity that they feel hindered and hemmed in and like you're restricting and that you're saying no. The Lord, through your spirit, through your word, through this message, through a devotional, through another conversation, Lord, that you would continue to give to them pieces of the puzzle that they would be able to know and understand your, your will. Uh, your direction, what you were calling them to do in the, in the next step in life. And for all of, this, of us, Lord, help us to be still. To, to truly, Lord, to, to let go of control on everything and to offer ourselves and our lives to you and to you alone. And reveal yourself to us, Lord. Just as you revealed yourself to John, to the seven churches there in Asia. We're praying that you would reveal yourself to us, that you would display your glory, that you would let us hear your voice. Again, Lord, that you'd pour out your grace upon us, your truth, your humility, your righteousness, that in everything that we do, Lord, that we would make the name of Jesus to be remembered. We pray these things. In your beautiful son's name.